This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, live from Studio B, your hosts, Jason Shepard and Brian Logan. It's how we do, fancy-like. It is BYU Sports Nation. We are live, your day-to-day sports play-by-play, right here in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Today, Thursday, September 23rd. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Jason Shepard, teamed up with a man who is team office versus team friends. He is Brian Logan. Yeah, that's right. You know, I, I haven't seen okay, yes. any, like a full show. Well, I haven't yeah. really seen any friends. Okay, so like okay, you've seen zero friends. Zero. Okay, so first off, right out of the gate, you are you are voided from having this conversation. Then, yeah, I mean, the, but the Office, I have. So I haven't seen a full episode of the Office, like from starting <laughs> to start but to yet finish. Your team Office versus, but I've seen I've seen tons of like YouTube clips. Of clips, I've seen, of yes. clips. It's the it's the clips that 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 really won it for me. You know, okay, when, when it so, comes to but this. anybody can <laughs> anybody can take the best of something, and but to base your entire, you know, that's the thing. Though I don't see no best of friends. All right, so let's because you haven't seen any of it. Okay, I don't so see let's no best just, of friends clips rolling let's around. Let's go ahead and set the table for why we're having this conversation. Last night I got bored, <laughs> so so I'm watching an episode of Friends, laughing a lot because I love Friends. It's not the greatest sitcom of all time. That belongs to Seinfeld. But I'm watching Friends. I've had this debate before that I like Friends better than I like The Office. And so I'm just like, I'm bored. I'm going to tweet this out that Friends is better than The Office, knowing exactly what response I would get. And guess what? The response I expected was exactly what I got. There you go. And that's from people who probably have seen episodes of Yes, shows, yes. Right? And I'm not, I'm not saying that they are the same show. They are different shows. I just happen to prefer Friends hands down Friends, over The Office. Seems I really think The Office friend. honestly gets more praise. It's had like two, maybe three really good seasons, and then it was average to below average the rest of them. Friends seems really boring. Oh my Extremely God. boring. Well, you you like, seem like a Joey Tribbiani fan to me. I, I think you like, and Joey... Would, I would feel like that's punishment for me. <laughs> like, I gotta watch... Hey. Dang, Mom, I gotta watch Friends. Dang. Yeah, make it's no not... mistake. I believe what I said. I believe Friends is better than The Office. I did it, however, knowing... That the responses that I would get would be on the other side of the fence, and I was kind of bored. And that's how so you kind of got what I. That's how you cure boredom, right for. there. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Here's our show lineup today. Who deserves more credit for the three and zero start for BYU football? The offense or the defense? Somewhere, Johnny Linehan's like, "Hey, what about the special teams?" Yes. Uh, Pro Football Focus's Anthony Tresh joins us to dive into the numbers of why BYU football is playing so well and a new deep blue on Peyton Wilgar that you will be uh, rooting for him even harder than you already do after watching. It is phenomenal. You will not want to miss that. That is coming up later on in the show. But first, let's bring on today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. As 15th ranked, BYU prepares to host USF on Saturday. Wide receiver Gunnar Romney says the offense is looking to put more points on the board. The the last couple of games, we've left a lot of points on the board. Um, And, you know, it hasn't really hurt us yet because our defense has been playing phenomenal. Um, But we we had a conversation at the beginning of this week, and nobody on the offense is satisfied right now because we know what the capability that this offense has, and we know how many points that we can put up if we play well. I'm expecting uh, 50 points with I'll take, fi- with I'll take 50. Right um, as a side note, um, 
BYU football has postponed the 2020 BYU-Utah game. Um, that's been rescheduled for 2030, according to the University of Utah website. Yeah. I believe uh, Jesus will be back by then, but uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's, it's rescheduled. It's, yeah, re- apparently the 2020 game that, that never happened uh, will now be played in 2030. So we at least have that to look forward to. Both teams will be in Power 5 conferences by then, certainly. College football playoff board met yesterday and decided to meet again next week, postponing the vote on expanding the current four-team playoff to a 12-team format. This is, uh, at one point, everybody believed it was kind of a slam dunk, and it was more just, uh, you know, rubber stamp it. But uh, now we will see if it moves from four this to 12. This is what we've been waiting for, right. like forever, like literally my whole life. Uh, some BYU Thursday night NFL action tonight is Brady Christensen and the Panthers face off against the Texans tonight in Houston. The Panthers are 2-0 and uh, going into tonight's game, and Jason believes that they're going to be 3-0. Yeah, I, uh, I do. I, I think Houston is not very good, and uh, Brady Christensen and Sam Darnold and the rest of the Panthers playing well right now. 11th-ranked women's volleyball. Hosting Pacific tonight in the West Coast Conference opener. Game time is 9 Eastern in the Smith Fieldhouse, and you can watch it on the BYU TV app. BYU softball kicks off their fall schedule this afternoon at 3.30 with a blue-white scrimmage. Their first game this fall will be next week against Snow College. Men's tennis head coach Dave Porter hired Rong Ma as a new assistant coach. Ma worked at the University of Hawaii as the women's tennis assistant coach and also at BYU Hawaii as a men's and women's assistant coach. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Brian, as uh, you well know, and anybody that watches sports, there's so much that goes into winning. And in football, certainly no different. And it's regardless of who you're playing, regardless of the opponent, everybody coming together, it's all these little pieces coming together that ultimately determine whether you win or lose. To go complete coach speak, you have to play well in all three phases. Well, let's focus on two of those three phases. We're going to talk about the offense and the defense. BYU right now, 3-0. and oh. In your opinion, Mr. Brian Logan. Defense. Who deserves more credit for the three and start? <laughs> And how did I know you were going to go defense? By the uh, way, there's no wrong answer here. They both deserve credit. Maybe there may be a wrong answer. I, you know, defense wins championships. Um, Thank you, Pat. I'm Riley. not just saying that just because I play on the defensive side, and I know that that's where all the the hard work, the blood, the sweat, the tears, um, you know, are occurring. You know, on that side of the ball. Um, but I, I mean, at the end of the day, if you can't score. You don't, you can't win, right? And and when you look at this defense and you look at the points that they're giving up, right? Seventeen points a game. My mark as a as a as a somebody that was raised on the defensive side of the ball in this program with Bronco, the standard was always to keep teams under twenty four points, right? That twenty four mark. They're doing they're doing seventeen points, and whenever we you know hit that hit that mark, like it was like a party. We were like ah. Yeah, I mean, it didn't matter who we play, if it was a Power 5 school, if it was, you know, Southern, Western, Jacksonville, Mississippi State, whatever the case was, right? Like, that's a huge accomplishment because when you look at the data, you your, your chances of winning games um, dramatically increase when you can keep your opponent under 24 points. So the fact that they're doing it, you know, 17 is, is huge, man. And um, 
I think the the biggest thing when you look at the the, the other stats, they, they're not really eye popping. But I think the biggest thing that we can all say is the turnovers. You know what I mean? Yeah, the, making and, the big and, plays. And we talked about that going into this year. Look, it's the goal of every defense to force turnovers. You want to be a defense that forces turnovers, and hey, and if you can score off some of those turnovers, great. But we talked about that. That's something this defense, you know, had not done. Mm-hmm. And we, we talked going into the year about that. That's one way that this defense could take a major step forward is forcing more turnovers. And to, they've certainly to, have done that. To me, to me, man, like that was the only thing I was looking at. And and you you, you know that this team and the, these the, the defense side of the ball they had athletes, right? You saw it last year, and and I don't care what you know the nation was saying about they're playing cupcakes and blah blah blah. Okay, cool. To me, to put it all together was being able to make big plays, especially when they needed the most, right? And I think they've just done the average up until this point. Um, doing what's been told, like just doing their job, right? And like for me, it's it like, man, let's take, let's take this thing to the next level. You know what I mean? And that's what they're doing right now is being able to get those turnovers, give the offense um, – you know, shorter field and and more than anything, turnovers, man. It from an emotional standpoint, it could it could rise you or it could literally like you can really be depressed. Like, man, you get a turnover and you're like, man, I don't like like 2010. We struggled right um, with 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 Jay Keeps and every time the offense would turn the ball over, I'd be like, I don't even want to play no more. <laughs> Gosh, I I should, like literally, I'd be like, man, I hate you guys. In practice, I know hate's a strong word. I I would literally be like, I hate you guys. <laughs> you guys suck. You know what I mean? So like, it it really does something for your morale. Um, either way, right? Negative or positive, and you and you seen clearly what it's done in the positive, especially with the fan base, right? Getting the fans juiced, everybody juiced, and really sucking the momentum uh, from the other team. Okay, so I, I want to go to something that you said a second ago, uh, and so we'll stay with the defensive side right here. You had mentioned that the the numbers right now, in terms of statistically. They're not eye-popping. Obviously, giving up 17 points per game, that, that, that's a good number. But the, the numbers that, that the defense, and quite honestly, the offense too, they're not like, you look and say, wow, look at those. Yeah. That's, that's not what this team is. They're, but they're winning, so really it doesn't matter. But on the defensive side, uh, we compiled some numbers, and we took the, the, basically the six years under Kalani, so tw- since 2016 – since Kalani Satake took over, where the, the defensive numbers rank mm-hmm. from one to six in terms of the years. So for, for right now, BYU's points per game that the defense is giving up at 16.7 ranks second. Mm. Okay, so that, that ranks second. The rushing yards, uh, it actually ranks last. They're giving up 4.68 rushing yards per attempt. Okay, so, so that's, that's actually the worst that's that it's happened uh, since 2016. Passing yards it, that they're giving up is 7.35. That's right in the middle at at third, and then the the yards per play is actually last at at 6.08. Mm-hmm. So the numbers are not great, but yet this team is just finding ways to win. And so I, I said this at the beginning. I, honestly, there probably is no right or wrong answer. It really just kind of depends on how you look at it because I can is make a strong case for the defense as you did. Yeah. I'm going to go with the offense for this reason. That's the only case. And it's <laughs> the reason I'm going to say offense, and it's been very interesting that in all three games, BYU, 
the the script has kind of gone the same way. BYU has gotten out to a double-digit lead. In the third quarter, the other team has made a run of double digits, you know, a 10-point run, and they made things a little closer. And in all three games, the BYU offense needed to have one of those drives. They needed to have one of those drives that not only ate the clock, but also put points on the board and really put too much distance for the opponent to catch up. And in all three games, the offense did that. That's why I'm going with the offense. I think, I think they're responsible for this. I'm going to give them that credit because every single time they have needed to have that drive, they've had that drive. And who, and who sparked the drive? With the turnover, right? Jaron Hall. Usually with, with, the tur- <laughs> with the turnover, a big play, whatever Look, the case is. Look, that's what I'm is. saying. This is so a good, they, get the, they get the juice from the defensive side. A, it is a good conversation because Defense. there isn't – you can make as strong of a case for one as the other, and that's what's fun about this. And quite frankly, with what special teams has done, Ryan Rico as a punter right now look, is, look, is Uncle Rico, changing see, the field see, every time. You, you're making my point because we all know that punters are on the defensive side of the ball. Right, like they're like that's they're a part of the defense. So Uncle Rico, as well, has been doing great things, putting the, the defense in a position. Um, you know, I mean, to 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 have opponents have to drive right, and um, I I think I think he's probably the MVP, right? I mean, other than Tyler, you know, Algier causing the the the, the turnover. Tyler Algier's punch out. Yeah, I mean, because again. You know, once the turnover happened, once once Jaron threw the interception, he became a defensive player, right? So the defense right now, I would say, man, is is uh, you got to give the credit to just because more so of the momentum and the plays that the, that they're making, it's it's really causing that spark. Because like like what you said, the offense is is they, they start off strong, kind of slow down a little bit, and then they pick it back up. So you know, clearly. Uh, they're getting bored, like how you were, and you know having these debates about who's what, what team, what what show is better. And then the defense comes in and makes a play, gets that spark, and gets everybody juice. And the offense goes, "Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, let's let's go back out and play." So the defense, man. All right, our question of the day: Who deserves more credit for the three and zero start to the season, the offense or the defense? Let's hear from you in Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation. On BYU Sports Nation. First response coming from David Woolsey uh, on Twitter. Defense. I think this offense is still trying to figure a lot of things out. The potential is off the charts, but how many three and outs did we have against ASU? Mm. Too many is his answer. Mm. We'll get there, but the defense keeps points off the opponent's score. Points uh, points off the opponent's score is what's won the day thus far. Look, Mm -hmm. the BYU defense has given up yards, but they're not giving up points. And at the end of the day, that's what matters. Yes. You can, you can give up yards in between the 30s or in between the 20s, but if you keep teams out of the end zone, whether, whether, I don't care if you whether get, it's stopping them on fourth down, which we've seen BYU's defense do, whether it's forcing a turnover, missing a field that, goal. that's all that matters. Look, check this out, man. I don't care if you, if you run and, and, and pass for 1,000 yards on me if I win the game. Nobody's going to sit here and be like, oh, we gave up so-and-so and so. Like, no, did we get the win? Ultimately, did we get the W or did we get the loss? That's what it comes down to. On Instagram, at uh, UT Perkins says, defense, no question. Mm. All three teams we played have the athletes to put up a lot of points, but we held each to 17 points or less in today's modern college football. That is an incredible statistic. 
the best part about that is that normally, you know, somebody say, oh, well, they haven't played anybody. That, you cannot make that argument this year. Nope. You cannot use that as justification to try and demean what BYU has done. That, that, is, that argument is completely thrown out because of the teams BYU has played. And I love that nobody can use that as, as an argument or a way to take a dig at BYU. Hater's going to say it's fake, though. Haters will always, hey. always, always have something to it's say. It's in their like, names. Utah's not haters even that good. Arizona is Man, shut up. Shut up and let us be great. You know what I mean? Like, if we're good, we're good. And ultimately, the cream will always rise to the top regardless of anything. And I think right now, that's what, that's what BYU is showing. So, I'm excited, man. Coming up, are you buying the USF Revenge narrative? But next... Anthony Tresh from Pro Football Focus. We're going to dive into the numbers of BYU football. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Get ready for the hoop season with BYU men's basketball season preview live from the opening day of practice as Tyler Hawes, Hawes and JJ, Jerem Jordan, introduce you to the newcomers, turning starters, and the storylines that you need to know. Plus, enjoy mic'd up coaches and a loaded guest lineup. It's Tuesday, September 28th at 9 Eastern on BYU TV and the app. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. He is Brian Logan. My name is Jason Shepard, and joining us now is Anthony Tresh from Pro Football Focus. Anthony, thank you so much for taking a few minutes. We appreciate it this morning. Of course. Thank you guys for having me on. So uh, for those that are into the numbers, this is the segment for you, and we're going to talk BYU football. We're going to talk current and former BYU players, but focusing on the numbers and their grades. So right now, before we do anything else, right now, who is BYU's top-graded player? Yeah, and I mean, if you look at the grades, it's really not all that really encouraging. Um, but I think the biggest, my biggest takeaway with this team is that don't be alarmed that you don't have an elite grader um, really anywhere on either side of the ball, because this team is just full of solid guys. And you're really kind of seeing that. Um, I think one of the better players, um, you know, looking at the grades, Peyton Wogar, uh, the off ball linebacker, their highest graded uh, player in coverage has been great around the ball a lot. Um, also been a productive pass rusher when given the opportunities there. So I, I think he's probably been the, you know, most notable performer um, as far as the PFF grading goes. But I would say to BYU fans, if you don't see any guys that are above 90.0 like you did last year a lot with a ton of different people, don't be alarmed because there's no really clear-cut, you know, I would say liabilities on either side of the ball. So that's a good thing to have. So is, is, is BYU then bucking the trend normally? If you're going to see a team like BYU right now that has won all three games and all against P5 teams, would you normally see higher-graded players? Is BYU an exception to this, or is there no real correlation to that one way or the other? Yeah, I mean, I don't really have the numbers um, in front of me, but you know, just doing this for, for years now, um, I, I do think that they are a little bit of an outlier. Typically, you do see some of these higher you know, top performers. Um, sometimes you can kind of involve luck with that a little bit, but also, too, it, I, like I was um, mentioning just a minute ago, um, you also have a pretty unique instance here in scenario where there's really not a clear weakness um, anywhere and you just have a bunch of solid performers and that's a good thing to have Um, but typically yeah you do see a a lot of elite graded players on a team you know that's having this kind of success that BYU is having Um, but you know that's not to say that 
we're expecting, you know, significant regression. Maybe they fall off a cliff. I don't think we're going to see that, um, so to say. Anthony, I would always get mad and frustrated and a little bitter when it came to, uh, you know, just certain like media groups and um, just analytics always having me like at a two star, you know, or a one and a half, mostly probably because I'm, I'm five, six, you know, uh, in high school and, and even in junior college. Right. So I, I know I'm gonna get those rankings. But when it comes down to your metrics, how do you how does it work? How does the system work? How do you, uh, you know, grade these guys? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a pretty long and nuanced way to describe it, um, but I'm going to try and break break it all down as quickly and um, short and sweet as possibly. Um, so it's pretty unique by position, um, you know, at the quarterback position to even defensive backs, offensive line play. It's very different there. Um, but essentially, we have a grading scale going from minus two to plus two, um, and we grade every player on every play of every game, um, and it ranges across that scale. And typically, you, you'll see more zeros. Um, you know, just complete wash of plays. You know, you did your job. Um, you didn't do anything, you know, outstanding, you know, above expectation or anything below. Um, and then we assign the grade and we zero them out from zero to 100. Um, and one thing, too, I would like to point out, like when you look at the PFF grades on a week to week basis, um, it's not really an average. And a big question we get to, especially in college football, is that we never weigh, you know, based off the competition level. So right now you're seeing a lot of, you know, outrageous grades from some teams that have played, you know, a, you know, a couple of, you know, lower tier FBS programs in an FCS school. And, that, and that's going to kind of skew some things a bit. So it's always important to, you know, really think about the competition level. Um, and, and so the biggest thing there is, you know, we, we do look at every single position here. Uh, we, we, under, we, we have our best. We have a bunch of review processes there, even with former and past um, NFL collegiate coaches and players, you know, verifying the roles of each player, breaking down the system all the way from, you know, this cover scheme used, the blocking scheme used on the offensive line and so on. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's a, that could go on for hours on how we ended up grading all these guys. But, you know, that, that's kind of the, um, the short and sweet answer. Honestly, when you watch a football game, because of what you do, do you are you I, I just kind of envision this you watching it like the Matrix or something <laughs> like, can you enjoy it? Well, I mean, like, do you, do you see all of this as in how this is grading or can you remove yourself from that and, and not think that way? Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I see what you're saying. It is kind of different because you catch on to trends as the season goes on and you start to recognize those trends pretty quickly as you're watching the games live on the broadcast uh, footage. And, you know, a lot of times, too, especially on Saturdays, it, it's a nice little setup we have here in Cincinnati, Ohio, at the uh, PFF headquarters. You know, you can watch 10 different games all at one time. Um, and so you just kind of write some stuff down, take note, you know, stuff you're seeing, maybe it's a little bit different than normal. Maybe this team, you know, typically they don't use this personnel grouping and now they're starting to use it a lot for this one game, one game only. You start to dig things into it a little bit. Um, and then you go back and this is what, um, you know, especially the teams really love here. So we here at PFF, we're contracted out to all 32 NFL teams and over a hundred of the, uh, 130 FBS programs. And we have a big database. Um, you know, we do have our premium stats, which is available to the public. Um, via subscription, but we also have a much, much larger database um, that these teams use, you know, on a daily basis. And the biggest thing too, you know, back in the day, they would always talk about cutting the tape and you'd have some, you know, a few different people, you know, working 20 hour days, you know, literally cutting the tape um, for the coaches. But now you can go into this database filter to whatever you want, um, you know, whether it is a covered scheme or you want to see a quarterback under pressure and you can get that film, the coaches film immediately. Um, and so after the games, after, you know, take note of some things, 
Um, then I go back and I go through and burn through that database filter out to what I was noticing, you know, kind of pairing the film with the data. And, you know, that's the, the, the beautiful thing about it. Anthony, that, that reminds me, and even, you know, Jason kind of breaking down the, the vision and the matrix, I kind of feel the same way uh, when it comes to the Lego movie and being a master builder. That's how I see things. So um, <laughs> everything. Um, uh, speaking of a, a, a master builder, Zach Wilson is somebody who has, you know, built a, a good career here at BYU. Obviously, us as BYU fans, we are in love with him. He can't do any wrong, but we know he's struggled um, so far uh, this season. How... Um, have you graded him through uh, the first two two games? Yeah, it has not been great at all. Um, but again, I would not put you know a lot into it because it's only been a couple of games, and he's a rookie. I mean, typically you see these rookie quarterbacks struggle, and it's no different in college football. And you see some true freshmen or redshirt freshmen go out there and start. I mean, you're going going to expect some poor play. I um, mean, with Zach Wilson, you know, it's not much of a surprise to see and kind of hear some of the comments as head coach Robert Sala has, you know, he's like, it's a, you know, like he said publicly, it's okay to play boring football. Sometimes you don't have to make some of these heroic plays or try to do something amazing. Um, sometimes it's better just to take the safe and conservative option, you know, and be a little bit boring. I mean, that's good. It's going to, you know, help your decision-making process there. And, you know, he's kind of is playing at uh, with the New York Jets right now, kind of like he was at BYU and you can get away with it you know, when he was at BYU last year, um, especially against some of the, the competition he was facing and the offense he was in. I mean, he had the ability to do some amazing things, you know, outside the pocket, some heroic superhero type of stuff um, that, you know, he's trying to kind of had his welcome to the NFL moment um, this, this this past week with that, um, a lot of those interceptions there. So I think he's learning in the process and it will take some time, um, but I wouldn't be alarmed just because this guy's natural talent is it's in a rare tier um, and so I do think eventually it'll turn it around. It's just all about learning that, you know, some of the stuff that I could do at BYU on a weekly basis, I can't do in the NFL because this is a whole different animal. Anthony Tress joining us here from Pro Football Focus on BYU Sports Nation. I want to stay with the with the NFL quarterbacks. Anthony, even on face value when these guys were drafted just you know months ago, you knew that it could be a pretty special quarterback class. And I understand that there are ups and downs and we're only two weeks in, but you can certainly see the potential in a lot of these rookie quarterbacks. Of the rookie quarterbacks from this year's draft class, who right now is grading out the highest? Yeah, it's definitely Mac Jones. And so when we're kind of looking at all these quarterbacks and you know, trying to get it as close to, you know, out of 32 as possible. Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson, they are, in, you know, I think they're actually last and second to last. Um, but you look at Mac Jones, he's middle of the pack. He's right there on 16th. He's definitely been the most, you know, I would say impressive with how he's handled the NFL right away. And I'm not surprised to hear that at all whatsoever. Um, but, you know, it, it's still like his ceiling is so limited, but he has a high floor. And we were all kind of expecting that. And that's why the whole debate there, you know, during the pre-draft process when, you know, we, we're kind of finding out now that the Niners did trade up to number three just because they were a little bit nervous that they were going to miss out on someone like Mac Jones. And, um, and they ended up going the Trey Lance route, but it's all about which one would you rather have? Would you rather take the risk on someone like Trey Lance, um, who has a high ceiling, but a very, very low floor, high risk, high reward? Or are you going to go with someone that's a little bit more safe with Mac Jones and hope that he can kind of build up to be this, you know, fantastic passer on a consistent weekly basis at that elite level like he was at Alabama? And for me, you know, I, I would, was much more in the Mac Jones over Trey Lance camp because of, you know, what he did at Alabama. You know, very clean performer, accurate the ball, quick decision maker. He's not going to make mistakes. And so far with New England Patriots, it's kind of been that. 
Um, you know, hasn't been so much through two weeks that it was in the preseason where he was, you know, grading out an elite level. But, you know, where he's at right now in the 70s, middle of the pack in the NFL, that, that is really impressive for a rookie. Um, and so I think right now, you know, if you had to say who's going to win the offensive rookie of the year, I think it's going to be Mac Jones. Um, and I think, you know, I believe it was Drew Brees. He said it best. And I, I do agree with this take. I think for right now, this year, and even probably the next couple of years, I think Mac Jones is probably going to be looked at. And as far as even two of the data, we'll say that he's the best you know, quarterback in this class. But I think, you know, five years down the road, I think that's when we're going to start to see the movement. Some of these guys that weren't exactly polished kind of start to, you know, pan out a little bit more. So I'm excited to see what happens. But I do think at the end of the day, we're going to look back at this quarterback class and say, yeah, it definitely was a historic one, one of the best the NFL's ever seen. Anthony, I know this is not the reason that we brought you on the show, but you and I were having a conversation, um, you know, in the break. And you, you've mentioned a couple of times that you're based out of Cincinnati. And obviously, you know, the news over the last couple of weeks with uh, the Big 12 announcement, Cincinnati, one of the four teams that along with BYU is going to go in. And I was kind of asking you what the vibe around Cincinnati is like. And it's kind of crazy because we've heard a lot from C- Central Florida. We've heard a lot from Houston. Obviously, we're here in Provo. I haven't really heard a ton coming out of Cincinnati. What's the vibe in the area in terms of Bearcat fans uh, with the news that they're going to be part of the Big 12 in a couple of years? Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, the people around here, they're definitely jacked about it. There's no doubt about it. They're excited to kind of get the ball rolling. But I think, you know, I think why it's a little bit lesser than some of the other programs is that they're very focused. You know, everybody from the the team, the coaches, the program as a whole to even the fans, very focused on this year because, you know, if, if some things kind of fall their way, they go to South Bend and beat Notre Dame, they could be making an interesting case to really crack a spot in the 14 playoff. And they're definitely having their eyes set on that. It's going to take a lot. Like I said, Going to have to beat Notre Dame on the road. Going to have to win out. Very possible there, but they're also going to have to get some, you know, help from other teams losing and struggling as well. So they're definitely focused on this season, trying to get to the college football playoff. And you know, they have a very talented team there, so they're excited with that group. But you know, I, I do think, you know, and I know this for a fact, they're super stoked to kind of join the Big Twelve and kind of get that, you know, Group of Five um, moniker away from the school because you know they have been outperforming everybody else at that level of football. And I think this is a good thing, too, right, because, you know, even doing some, you know, some different studies too, like uh, pass rush versus coverage, how much does each facet really matter, you know, to the output of, of a play? Um, at the NFL level, we found, you know, coverage and pass rush very much different. It's always coverage can explain more in a given play than pass rush can. Um, but, you know, at the collegiate level, it's different. And you can kind of see that when you split a power five and group of five. Group of five is more like the NFL. Power five is a little bit different. Why? Well, why is that? You have you know, some of these really freakish type of athletes, these NFL prospects on a lot of these teams, and that's really kind of taking that next step forward. They can make an impact on the trenches with some of these younger offensive linemen, you know, that really aren't polished up yet. Anthony. And so I think Cincinnati kind of belongs in that, that that tier, and I think BYU does as well. And I think kind of separating out those two brands of football is very important for the sport. Yeah, everybody is uh, is super excited. Anthony, we appreciate your time. Pro Football Focus is what well, information is second to none. We love it here on BYU Sports Nation. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes, and I'm sure we will talk to you down the road. Of course. Thank you guys for having me. There we go. Anthony Trash from Pro Football Focus. Look, there. if, if, if numbers are your thing and you want to get into the data, there's no better place to go. And it is, it is there in abundance for you to... To, honestly, what regardless of what one of the things we didn't even get a chance to talk about, BYU has three of the top twenty guy, three guys in the top twenty in pass blocking: Blake, Blake Freeland, Connor Pay, 
and James Impey, all three in the top 20 in terms of pass blocking. I mean, they break everything down, you know, to positions, and it's it's amazing all of the the data that goes into it, this. It is, man. There's a lot more strategy involved yeah. than what people think. It's, it's not just a game, and I love data. Data rules everything around me. Coming up, the story of Peyton Wilgar coming up big off the field. And what will affect USF the most on Saturday? This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. And the kickoff gets you ready for 15th ranked BYU to host USF. Watch as Uncle Dave, Uncle B, and David, uh, as well as Spencer, get you ready for the game with insights and interviews leading up to the kick. Watch Saturday at 9 Eastern on BYU TV and the app. He is Brian. I am Jason. This is BYU Sports Nation. To interact with the show and get great content throughout the day, follow us on all social media platforms. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. In the meantime, let's whip it. Cougar Whip Around, presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. Lots of mention about BYU looking for payback for the loss at USF in 2019. Um, are you bought in... On USF being a revenge game for BYU. Um, look, I can certainly understand how you would think of it that way. BYU is a 23-point favorite. We know BYU is going to roll in this game. So I, I, I just don't know. Look, I, I will tell you this. I know that t- talking with multiple players, they've all brought it up mm-hmm. that BYU lost in Tampa the last time these two teams faced. So look, whatever, whatever you need to do to... To get the best out of yourself, do whatever. I, I'm not necessarily buying it just because there's 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 one game. It's not a rival. I, I, I'm not necessarily buying the revenge side of it. Yeah, I think I, I think, expect BYU to roll in this I, anyway. I think like a, from a storyline perspective, probably not. But like individually, I, I'm sure those players are like, mm-hmm. that may be one that you have like a little circle, right? You every every game not a big circle, a, like not a big one. Every not a big one, a little one. Like Utah's a big one, USC, right? Those are big. This is a little one. It's okay. a little circle. All right, uh, offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick told the media yesterday that Jackson McChesney is third on the running back depth chart. So how many carries do you expect him to have on Saturday? Ten. Ten, okay. Minus three, plus two, plus seven. Minus three. (laughs) (laughs) So many numbers. So many numbers in a row. I felt... Oh man! I, I mean, felt like that was something to try and like you know like confuse me, and it worked. Look, um, I would I would I would assume that uh, this game, a lot of the second string players would get in and um, and get some some good quality reps, um, and so I, I would I would say a decent amount. Yeah, look, I if everything goes according to plan, I agree with you. I think that there's an opportunity for for BYU's bench to be able to play some some minutes and get some reps in the second half, whether that's all of the second half, whether that's the fourth quarter, uh, it remains to be seen. I- I'm going to go conservative. I'll say five or six carries. I think that's probably that's probably doable yeah, that's for Jackson good. McChesney. I mean, I- I'd put that on the first string guys, right? If I'm if I'm the second string guys, I'm, I'm going them every game like this. Like, y'all, y'all got to step it up because I'm trying to get in. I'm trying to get in by third quarter. I know you guys want to get out, you know, by third quarter, so let's make this happen. Um... Next one, Jason. Do you expect the kick, the kickoff time, and uh, the times on altitude fans or the snow to be the biggest factor against 
USA. All right, before we get to that, though, <laughs> let's, uh, let's get to our stat of the day. We'll help sort of explain a little bit. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Okay, Saturday's game will be the first ever for USF that kicks off after 10 p.m. So there's a lot of things happening for USF. They very rarely come out to this time zone. They are traveling a day early because of the significant travel. They're playing late at night. Um, you mentioned uh, the snow. There's sort of somewhat of an inside joke. Uh, at the press conference this week, uh, their head coach, Jeff Scott, was asked by a reporter, how is teams going to handle it? And are they going to be in awe of everything? I mean, half these guys have never seen mountains or snow. Well, they're not going to see snow right now. Now, I don't expect somebody in Tampa, Florida to understand the climate of, uh, of Utah, uh, but they're not going to see snow. So that's why we threw in snow. Um, I would say the biggest factor is going to be taking on the uh, 15th ranked BYU Cougars. How about that? Okay. That makes sense. I mean, I would definitely was saying the snow. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, there is no snow it's to look snow at. It's the snow for me. They're going to be very disappointed if they show up and look up and see no snow on the mountains. Oh, man. That's like everybody from you know California, my family, that came to visit me. Like, where is the snow at? We, I want to see the snow. At least, at, least, at least when you go to California, you know you're always going to see the ocean. Is it like the ocean you know, is going to disappear? Yeah. Well, you know, I live in the Bay Area, so it's not like it's not real. It's not real as California. It's not real California. Is that fake California? Yeah, I mean, yeah, pretty much. I mean, all you know, California you know, you know like Hollow, and you like Hollywood, right? When you see like the beaches and like San Diego and stuff. Like that's not what the Bay Area looks like. It's just flat, like the Earth. <laughs> Coming up, Kyrie. <laughs> Coming up, the rise and shouts. But next, Deep Blue with Peyton Wilgar. You're going to want to see this one. I promise. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. 11th-ranked BYU Volleyball opens up WCC play tonight as the Cougars host Pacific. You can watch that at 9 Eastern on BYU TV app. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, live from Studio B. He's Brian. I'm Jason. Linebacker Peyton Wilgar is one of the Cougars' top playmakers, and he is poised for an NFL career. His journey began in southern Utah, where family played a prominent role in his life as his heart grew to be as big as his game. This is Deep Blue featuring Peyton Wilgar, presented by Brady Industries, Simply Better. One time he was in the car with his mom and his little sister. We were taking the back roads through a little town called Summit, and and my mom was like, it was weird because she was like completely normal, like she could she could talk. I was kind of at a bad spot in my life, and I had just, I don't even know what I took. I had taken a bunch of pills, and the next thing I knew, I had lost all control. So I knew that I needed to stop the van. And, and get out to protect them. So she pulled over at like the first exit in Summit, and, we, and she's just like, let me walk around. We got out and we started walking around into like this little riverbed and she just collapsed right there. And I mean, I was probably in like first grade. We were little, we didn't know what to do. We kind of just, my mom, I, I don't know, I can't even really explain what was going on, but she collapsed right there in the riverbed. Peyton and McKaylee walked to a neighbor's house to call their grandpa and 
so that they could get a ride. But I remember just watching those two little kids <laughs> run so fast to get help from mom. So he's definitely seen some things that no kid should have to see. Growing up, uh, both of our parents are recovering drug addicts. I talked Misty into coming to my side, and, and we were together uh, in a bad place for about 15 years. So some people will look at it as a negative, but I always looked at it as a positive. Like, I am so grateful for the way I grew up, as, and as well as those stories, even though they were rough points. But, like, just being independent, you know, like being able to, sh to know that I'm going to be okay through some hard times. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade my parents for anything in the world because they taught us all the right things and they always loved us. But I think Peyton, you know, see the things, the choices that someone can make in their life can determine, you know, their destiny. And uh, Peyton, I feel like, has just taken every trial and the adversity that's been placed before him and used it to his benefit to stay focused to stay dedicated to, to his dream. I heard, like, maybe roll call in a class or something, and they said Peyton Wilgar, and I remember, like, looking over, and I was like, oh. and instantly I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I've been smitten for him since. We've been together since eighth grade, and we've really, she's been by my side through everything, you know, through my family issues, through college, She's, she's never left me through all the hardships. You know, as young as they were, see some of the things they do. Um, it's pretty impressive for, for their age, you know. I mean, they've, they've taken in some of my grandkids. So a few months into our marriage, Peyton's brother's kids were taken by the state because he was in and out of jail. My oldest brother, you know, and, and, and his wife were just going, you know, through some struggles, some tough times. And my little brother Peyton and his wife Chrissy, you know, stepped up to, to take the kids in for a little while. You know, and it's, it's pretty crucial years for him, you know, but they took that, I don't know if you can say burden, but, you know, they really opened their door. We didn't want the kids with anyone other than family. At one point they were, I think, in a random person's home and I would FaceTime them and it was just so heartbreaking seeing those kids, you know, just confused. They had no idea what was going on and I have this one song that I still think about. It's called Don't Give Up On Me. And I listened to that song every single day. <laughs> Thinking about those kids, I wasn't going to give up on them. I remember that first night we just, we, we finally got them to bed after them just crying for hours. And we put them in our room and because we were so petrified to wake them up again, we both slept in the front room together. And we just sat there and we cried, like what did we get ourselves into? Like. We thought it was going to be, like, so fun being aunt and uncle, having our little nieces and nephews around. But, like, when you switch into that parent role, I don't think anyone really understands how hard it is to, to bathe them and feed them and clothe them and give them 100% of your attention all day. And so it was, it was definitely an experience that I'm so grateful for, but it was extremely hard. 
So many players could have used um, everything going on in their lives, like Peyton has, as reasons to miss a practice occasionally, to leave early from a weight training session or, or show up late to a meeting. And you just don't have that with Peyton. Just shows a lot about who he is, you know, and, and his wife, Chrissy, as well. They're just great people. Our nieces and nephews have had similar struggles and trials as we did as kids, and you know, I think Peyton just wants to to make sure that they know that they're loved and put them in a situation to best succeed. Yeah, even though they do all struggle with addiction, there's nothing but love in this family, and at the end of the day, that's all that matters. I don't think he realizes the powerful son, brother, friend that he is. You know, he's always been a little bit hard on himself, and he's definitely a light. And he, I just, I just want him to love, love this year. You know, play every game like it's your last game. This only happens once in a lifetime, and before you know it, you turn around and you're old. So you know what? Take advantage of what you have now and love every minute of it and go out there and have fun. I just think that the future is very bright for Peyton. Deep Blue with Peyton Wilgar. Wow, what a story. And whether you're going to the game on Saturday or watching it at your house, there's going to be opportunities to cheer for Peyton Wilgar. There always is in a game with BYU football and Maybe after watching that or hearing that, you maybe you cheer a little louder. Yeah, that story is remarkable. Definitely, man. I mean, um, I would say I would say he's he's probably moved up a couple of spots of uh, you know my favorite you know BYU player. It was it was Taysom, but Taysom has some, some competition to to <laughs> to, to be um, you know in that situation and to to have sacrifice and and to see that you know these you know other people. Um, you know, matter more than what I'm going through. Like that's uh, that's a special it takes a, a special person to to do that. Um, and uh, then you throw in on top of that, you know, his his normal daily duties right. as as a, you know athletic student. So yeah, I mean, big big props to him. And that was done good. I I tried to not cry like 20 times, man. Like, <laughs> like makeup. Oh my gosh. Uh, but yeah, good, great story. It's a fant- story. fantastic story, and um, I, I think I say this after all of these. There, there's so many aspects of these stories that I was not aware of, and I'm so glad that we do this feature because I think it really does. We, we always hear, you know, the, they're hu- they're they're more than just the player you see on the field, and right. I think this embodies exactly what what that's talking about yeah. that you just never know it's not just what you see and you know a guy that can is can run fast or you know make all the tackles or catch touchdowns it's it's the stuff that we don't know about them that makes them great and uh, that is a perfect example of it right there amen to that coming up who are you giving credit to the 3-0 and start? We know it's the defense. Or maybe it's the offense. Our rising shout-out also coming up. This is BYU Sports Nation. Or maybe it's the defense. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. BYU Sports Nation, always available on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. 
or download the podcast. Just Google BYU Sports Nation Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Our question of the day. Who deserves more credit for the 3-0 start for BYU football? Is it the offense or the defense? On Facebook, Michael Decker says both deserve equal credit for the 3-0 start. But if I had to pick one, it would be the offense. Having Jaron Hall take over for Zach Wilson was a huge task, and it seems like the offense is continuing where it left off last season. Mm. When you, whenever you got to start off with both, both they both deserve credit, and but then you go to the offense. This really is one of those situations where I can honestly say I would could go on make an argument for both, and I would be right on both. Both deserve the credit. Let's go defense. <laughs> okay. Let's go defense. Oh, I, look, I didn't even know where you were going, but I knew where you were going. You're going to always go defense. Go to the defense side. All right, uh, let's get our, to our elite voice of the day, presented by Sundance Manton Resort, at uh, JoeHuit27. The correct answer is Tyler Algier, <laughs> so both. Well played. Nice. Well played, Joe Wheat. Nice. Well played. All right, time for our Rise and Shoutouts, presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. How about a Rise and Shoutout to Senator Mitt Romney on uh, campus yesterday, hanging out with BYU Athletic Director Tom Homo, putting it out on social media yesterday. Coming down to congratulate Tom on the, uh, the, the, the status of the BYU football team, the 3-0 record, obviously getting into the Big 12. So how about a shout-out to, uh, to Senator Romney? Always a strong BYU fan, always tweeting out, uh, talking about go Cougars. So uh, we know he bleeds blue. Yeah, definitely. I, and I, I want to give mine to, uh, to Peyton for, you know, that, for the story and what, he, what he's done and staying strong, man. So, yeah, I mean, it's two good ones. Two very good ones. Uh, thanks to today's guest, Anthony Tresh from Pro Football Focus. The conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag BYUSN. For Brian, I'm Jason. Shout out to Brian Correa. Hey. You remember Brian Correa? Yeah, my boy. That's my boy. Is he a dentist now? Yes. He, he is a dentist now. Yeah. Speaking of dentists, huh? I need to have a couple of uh, fillings. Women's Volleyball coming up tonight, 9 Eastern on the BYU TV app. Go Cougs. I love you, Dennis Pitta. I love you.